Hello, everyone, and welcome to our latest Norton Rose Fulbright Financial Services podcast on the Edinburgh Reforms. My name is Simon Lovegrove, Global Director of Financial Services Knowledge, and today I'm very pleased to be joined by Hannah Meakin, a partner in our London Financial Services team, who will be looking at the Edinburgh Reforms from a markets perspective. Hannah, it's great to have you with us today. And to start off with, could you just tell our listeners a little bit more about what the reforms mean for the market and also the plumbing of the UK's financial system? Yes, I can do that. Um, Hi, Simon. Hi, everyone. Um, I think importantly, but not surprisingly, um, in answer to Simon's question, the reforms cover a wide range of of markets issues. So we're looking at uh, some reforms that are related to retail and others that are related to wholesale. They cover a whole range of asset classes. They um, they deal with a number of primary markets issues, but also secondary markets. They're looking at both the trade and the post-trade side of things. And they also, while a number of them are, are kind of focused on the traditional forms of interaction that the different participants in the market have with each other, um, there's also some focus on the use of new technologies. Thanks, Hannah. Indeed, covering a very wide range of, of markets issues. Perhaps now you can just give us a deeper dive on some of the key reforms from a market's perspective. Yes, of course. Um, so the so government and, and the regulators are well underway with their review of wholesale markets regulation in the UK. And HM Treasury already consulted on many changes, uh, which are reflected in the Financial Services and Markets Bill. Um, and many of these amendments are, well, many of these provisions are really amendments to MIFID too and they will form part of the first tranche of retained European law to be transferred to the UK statute books. As we all know, MIFID is a substantial and complex piece of legislation, so it's anticipated that some parts of it will not be implemented until phase two. But the intended pace of change that the government expects to, to that's anticipated here is such that actually the government expects to make significant progress on both tranches one and two by the end of 2023. So in theory, we're not looking at that long a time frame. And actually, the regulators have been able to make progress on some of the developments while they've been waiting on the legislative powers uh, to be finalised. But the um, for the rest of them, I think we'll start to see a lot more action as soon as those legislative powers, new legislative powers in the Financial Services and Markets Bill have been put in place. And at that point, I think we might expect to see a whole torrent of consultation papers and policy statements. Um, I mean, in particular, the Chancellor talked about bringing forward secondary legislation in Q1 of this year to remove burdens for firms that are trading commodity derivatives um, as an ancillary activity. Um, so, so I think that uh, that exemption, that ancillary activity exemption, and the related exclusions we have in uh, English law, um, you know, is an area that we might expect to see something on quite soon. Um, the Chancellor also restated the commitment to the introduction of one or more consolidated tapes for market data, and it seems that the government and the FCA are keen to have a new regime in place by 2024. Now, I think this seems quite ambitious given our current starting point, but where there is a will, uh, as they say, there is a way. Um, so, I mean, there, there remains some work to be done because we still don't know for sure which markets are the, the consolidated tape would um, 
be where the focus for the consolidated tape would be first although i think the industry consensus is around bonds taking priority um, and we also don't know how many consolidated tapes will be permitted or what the process will be. So, for example, we don't know whether there'll be a public tender for a single CTP per asset class or whether there could be multiple, multiple competing uh, consolidated tape providers. Um, but the, the idea with a, a consolidated tape, just to remind everyone, is to really kind of bring together market data from multiple platforms into one continuous feed um, with the aim of improving market efficiency and lowering costs of market data for firms and investors. Um, and all of that obviously being with the um, intention of making the UK markets more attractive and more competitive. Thanks, Hannah. A very busy year ahead, lots to look out for. Um, just want to turn now to uh, the implementation of the EU-derived uh, regulation into UK law. Um, the plan for repeal and reform in EU law is set out in a paper that was published at the time of the Edinburgh reforms on building a smarter regulatory framework in the UK. It also includes a new designated activities regime. Could you just say a few more words about this new regime? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think this is another of the really kind of interesting um, ways in which our regulatory regime is going to change, because this designated activities regime or DAR is going to be the home of uh, many regulations that impose obligations on both authorised firms, but also those who are not, um, they're not authorised, but they do, they are subject to different pieces of financial services regulation because of certain activities they perform that kind of interact with the financial markets. So for example, if you're entering into OTC derivatives, um, you, you don't necessarily need to be authorised to do that, but you are subject to, um, uh, to, to, to regulatory requirements under, un, under that regulation, regulation on OTC derivatives um, or, or EMIR. Um, and so the, the Financial Services and Market Bill, Markets Bill provides HM Treasury with a power to designate activities such as that, uh, such as though that they're entering into derivatives um, in order to bring them into regulation and I think the idea is to bring them into one piece of regulation, in other words, this DAR. So where an activity has been designated, anyone conducting that activity will be required to follow the rules for that activity unless they are, for whatever reason, exempt. And this will enable the FCA to make rules relating to that activity within the wider um, Financial Services and Markets Act framework. Um, and then the, the PRA may choose to make their own um, rules for PRA, PRA authorised persons um, under their existing rulemaking powers. Um, and the other thing I think that's actually quite interesting about this is that in the, um, the paper that you referred to, Simon, about building the smarter regulatory framework for the UK, the FCA has sought to explain its vision for the DAR by publishing some example statutory instruments um, including one on the prospectus regulation, uh, which will is, is one of the pieces of legislation that will be replaced by the DAR. So they've kind of gone about it by pro producing these um, kind of indicative um, uh, pieces of uh, statutory instruments to kind of show, to actually kind of show us what they're thinking, um, rather than just explaining it. 
Thanks, Hannah. Yes, indeed. And I think we'll be doing a, a future podcast um, on the changes to the prospectus regulation. Um, I just want to look at other areas now. I mean, what new ideas have come out of the Edinburgh announcements? Yeah, so I mean, in the uh, markets uh, area, there are um, a few initiatives that are either new or um, just hadn't perhaps kind of got so much press previously. Um, and interestingly, they all seek to maximise on the benefits of new technology and innovation. So first of all, um, further thought has been given to the development of a new type of market venue, which would operate on an intermittent trading basis. So this highly innovative approach would be a global first and would act as a bridge between public and private markets, trying to boost the UK as a destination for companies to get the investment they need um, and and to create jobs and to uh, grow the economy. On the uh, post-trade side of things, we can look forward to the new financial market infrastructure sandbox, which is going to be set up in the second half of this year. This will enable firms to test and adopt new technology and innovations, such as, but not exclusively, I think, distributed ledger technology in providing the infrastructure services that underpin the markets. And in addition, the government is setting up an industry task force on accelerated settlement, for which it has published the terms of reference. So this task force will examine the case for trades to be settled more quickly in the UK, such as moving to a T plus one standard settlement period, reducing settlement times from the current industry standard of T plus two, so two days, could reduce counterparty risk and increase operational efficiency. And so the idea is that this task force will publish its initial findings by the uh, by December this year, with a full report and recommendations to be made by December next year. Thanks, Anna. I think that final report will make very interesting reading. Um, as we draw to a close, I just want to pick up on, on anything else that our, our listeners should be aware of. And here I'm sort of thinking about uh, the short selling regulation and the new remit let letters that's been issued. Yes, I mean, absolutely. So there are, I mean, we've touched on, I think, quite a few of the uh, initiatives that are relevant to markets um, already. But uh, as you say, firms will be interested in the call for evidence and the re review of the short selling regulation. Um, this intends to ensure that the UK's approach to regulating the short selling of shares that are admitted to trading reflects the uh, specificities of the UK markets um, and continues to facilitate the benefits of short selling, but also protects market participants and supports market integrity. Uh, in addition, the government is looking through that uh, paper to gather views on the operation of the current short selling regime. And those views will be used to inform the design of the regime that will replace the short selling regulation. Um, so as part of the process, the government will consider which aspects of the regime should remain and which should be delegated to the FCA to put into its rules. And um, you also mentioned, Simon, the, the new remit letters that were issued to the PRA and the FCA. So they have uh, kind of uh, clear targeted recommendations on growth and international competitiveness um, being important to uh, all of the items we, we've talked about. And these um, really kind of talk about how the regulator should have regard to the government's economic policy as it's going about its decision making um, uh, and implementation processes. 
So for example, when the FCA considers how to advance its objectives, uh, having regard to the regulatory principles um, and discharging its other, other relevant duties, it should um, take into account various factors that are intended to support the government's objective of medium to long-term economic growth in the interests of consumers and businesses, and the government's objective to promote international competitiveness of the UK. Thanks, Anna. That, that's been really helpful. Thank you for your time today. So that concludes uh, today's podcast. Watch out for further podcasts on the Edwin reforms, and we will also be tracking developments on our Regulation Tomorrow blog. Many thanks for listening, everyone. Goodbye.